I try uh, whenever I have time to write content. And the goal actually for the next year or so is to be able to focus maybe like 60 or 70% of the time on content creation. Because basically we went in about five years from zero to right now we're at $24 million in annual recurring revenue with all the tools. Hello and welcome to Confessions of a B2B Marketer. Today we have a big episode. Guillaume Mubesh is back and I think he may be the first guest to come on twice to Confessions of a B2B Marketer. And we basically get him to break down why he's investing so much in personal brand, what he's doing and what are the growth loops he's seeing, specifically on social, e.g. LinkedIn, on podcasts, also on newsletters. And so he comes on basically pulls back the curtain behind what he's doing. For anyone that doesn't know him, he has a company that is now on around $24 million ARR, all SaaS companies, around five different ones. They'll all be linked below. And he is a CEO right now, is spending a quarter of his time, 25% on creating content, on building his personal brand, but he's looking to get up to 60 to 70%. That's how much he's investing. And he shows how he is doing that. So before we jump in, we have to give a big shout out to Fame, who is the business that produced this show, also my business. We start and grow profitable podcasts for B2B companies. Go to fame.so, request a proposal if you're in the market for a B2B podcast. Let's jump into the discussion now. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. So this, I think, is going to be eye-opening because what I find super interesting about you right now that you have a number of different businesses. Uh, yeah, it seems from the outside in that you're putting a lot of attention on the personal brand building stuff. Is that accurate to say? It is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately for the audience, I think you've agreed that you're going to go like completely pull the curtains back and share the strategy and the tactics behind this. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, let's go straight into the first question. And I'd love it to have first a high level breakdown of the personal brand strategy. Yeah, definitely. So I think like it depends how you want to do it and for which like uh, specific use case. For us at Lempire, obviously like as a CEO, I have like from the start documenting everything I was doing. And the goal for me initially was not so much of building an audience, but was really to crystallize my knowledge and share as much as possible what I was learning to the world to potentially like create honest and deep relationships with others. And as the company scaled, I actually created a personal branding school inside the company where I essentially taught everyone from customer support to marketing to sales on how to build personal brands. When it comes to like my own personal brand, essentially like what I decide to focus on and what I like to say to people is that you should always find your positioning and your positioning can be, in my opinion, you have two options. Option one is to talk about a topic that you are familiar about and that you master. So usually you look at your past experience, the things that you have like managed to do extremely well. So for example, before launching uh, Lemlist, which is a sales automation platform, I was running a lead generation agency. So I already knew a lot about cold emails, sales prospecting, etc. So when I got started, my personal brand was all about giving tips on the thing that I knew about and that I mastered. And after that, I switched to kind of option two, which is document what you want to learn. As the company was growing, 
I wanted to become a better CEO. And there were tons of things that I didn't know about. So I didn't know about hiring. I didn't know about like building exceptional teams. I didn't know about how to manage like boards, uh, raise funds, et cetera, et cetera. And because I wanted to learn about it, I felt like the best way to learn the topic is to teach it. So essentially, I started to document what I wanted to learn and use my own life as an example to make it super actionable for other people. And the reason why doing this is, I think, exceptional for business growth is I believe in B2B, you either help people save time or you help them make more money. So for example, if tomorrow I tell you, hey, Tom, like, give me 10 bucks and in a week I'm going to give you like a hundred dollar back, you'll probably say yes, if you trust me. But if you don't trust me, the, the response is going to be like, probably no. So if you see like a random dude in the streets, you're going to be like, eh, I don't know, I'm not so sure. But if you know that there are proof of it, you will obviously do it. And I think that personal brand is literally like one of the best way to build trust at scale and eventually like close more deals, attract more customers, have a higher retention. And that's like the theory, like really good, really good theory, by the way. In terms of like the more like, tactical things that you're doing to grow the personal brand. Yeah. I think we're focused on social at the top and then presumably driving people down into the newsletter. Yeah. Is that like the tactical approach right now? Yeah, definitely. And again, like if you want me to give like very specific examples, like along the way, feel free to just tell me and I'll dig in in, in each. But if we look at our funnel overall, it's like, I think there are topics that are very broad. So for example, like if I look at my different pillars, some are really like motivational, inspirational. So it's like, where do I come from? Started with nothing, et cetera, et cetera. Just to give like and reach a larger audience. And then after that, there are like a lot more, I would say like bottom up or mid funnel, middle of funnel. So for example, topics that are more actionable about business, about how to do sales, about how to do marketing, about how to do personal brand building, et cetera. And then after that, there are like the bottom of funnel which is uh, typically like how to do sales prospecting with Lemlist or how to build a personal brand with Taplio. I think like social platform, and I think I'm the perfect example of it. So, you know, I've been banned from multiple <laughs> like uh, different uh, social media platform. And I think like emailing is the only thing that you own, <laughs> like uh, email addresses, that's something you own. So you should always, no matter what you do, don't believe that, you know, like LinkedIn, TikTok, etc. like your audience on it, you don't own it, you just rent it. Because it's not only about getting banned, because I assume like most people don't get banned. But when an algorithm changed, for example, if you never got like emails from people, you're dead. So it's like from one day to another, it's over. You don't have the same reach. Your business can suffer from it, etc. So yeah, always get the email. So those are your like personal pillars of content and the high level strategy event. It's like talk about them on social and by the way, back up to 25,000 followers on LinkedIn and that's yeah. a newer profile, right? Because the old one it's got It's a banned. new profile. Yeah, it's three months old. <laughs> three months, 25,000 in three months. Yeah, it's three or four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. And then driving people down ultimately to get into the newsletter that's something that can't be taken away. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Makes total sense. What percentage of your working time would you say do you invest in the personal brand versus managing the portfolio businesses? I would say that now it's around like 25% of my time is around like creating content. So I post across like uh, every social network. So I've got like YouTube, Instagram and TikTok, which are exactly the same content. So it's like short form videos that I also sometimes repurpose for YouTube shorts and then LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I would say it's like the platform I master the most. 
because, you know, like I think I, I started with it. So I have like a lot more knowledge about it and it takes me the less time. So it's like the least investment. But I think like the views I got from uh, YouTube videos are of a, a much higher quality in a sense that people who spend time watching videos on YouTube creates a lot deeper emotional connection. So those are usually like the super fans. And when I talk about super fans, it's not just like people using your product, etc. It's uh, also people who can be like advocates of everything you do. So some of the people who are following me, like probably will never be customers because either it's not like, I don't know, like they, they don't have a business, they're not part of sales team or marketing team, but because they love like the atmosphere, because they love like the value I brought, they are talking about us all the time on social media. And that's like really huge, you know, for to bring like uh, even more people and get recommendations. Yeah, that makes total sense. I was going to say, because there's kind of like three types of people you want to influence, I think, with a personal brand. There's potential customers, potential partners, and potential team members. And it seems like with the knowledge of your products and that all the products and the businesses are going to be linked below, it seems like one person could be all three of those because they could be like doing cold outbound. They could also potentially join your team and then maybe have, they have a little audience themselves. And so there's quite a nice overlap there that may not be the same with other people. Yeah, I agree. And I think you framed it like really well. The only like the first type of people, I would say it's like the amplificators. So that could be like people who, uh, who are not partners, but they can just amplify your message no matter like what you say, like they'll support you. And uh, I think like every brand should have at least like a hundred true fans. And I think like most people like uh, really neglect the people of their customers. And I think it's something that whenever you build a personal brand, and an audience that you can do at scale. It's definitely something that I think is underappreciated in the audience building. It's like getting the people that may never be a customer, but in their network, they probably do have customers. And so making them like you. Going back to the 25%, to get super specific, is this like then the first two hours of every day or is it just random throughout your calendar as to when you spend time on this? I wish I was uh, organized enough <laughs> to say that uh, this is every single morning, etc. But in reality, like, yeah, it's I try to write content in the morning because this is when I'm the most creative. But sometimes, you know, they are like unexpected events, whether it's, I don't know, like uh, sometimes it's meetings, sometimes it's podcasts, sometimes it's... So I have to adapt like my calendar. But overall, yeah, I try uh, whenever I have time to kind of like uh, write content. And the goal actually like for the next year or so is to be able to focus maybe like... 60 or 70% of the time on content creation. Because basically we went in about like five years from zero to right now we're at like $24 million in annual recurring revenue with all the tools. We announced 20 million, I think like a few months back. So the next big milestone would be either 25 or 30 when we write an article. And what I realized is my zone of genius is really like about taking complex topics and trying to make them as simple as possible. And I love also doing it. So I want to have like more focus because I think like content creation, you can only be great at it if you have focus. And right now I would say like that I'm like good, but I'm not great. So I want to invest like more time and energy on it. So what things, and you don't have to get super specific here, are you going to have to push away from you to give you the other, I guess, 40 to 50% of time to invest further? Yeah. <laughs> so way less team management. So I've hired like a chief operating officer whose role is to kind of like take my the leadership role with the team. I also have hired like a, a chief of staff. We're currently also hiring like a chief marketing officer. So it's like a lot of the topics that I've been involved in. So right now, for example, I was still doing like one-on-one -on -one for the community, one-on-one -on -one with some of the person on the team, et cetera, et cetera. Like 
I'm trying to remove recurring meetings a lot because this is a lot of like time drain. And yeah, just be essentially here for a very specific brainstorm, like the strategy and the vision, and then like creating like content and building an audience. So the CEO's time is obviously going to be the most valuable in the business, right? And so the CEO of a $24 million business this time that is obviously super valuable. And then if we take 70% of that and you're going to say to the board, look, we're going to take 70% of the most valuable resources of the business and we're going to invest it in creating content. I understand you probably do have a board because you did raise money a year or so ago, right? Yeah. A, did you have to pitch it like that? And then B, if you did, what did they say? Or do they have an opinion on, <laughs> on you doing this? So essentially, like, I think it was two years ago, we cashed out $30 million. So it was not really fundraising, but uh, essentially we had a board because... We took some money off the table and I own around like 70% of the business. So the board essentially like don't have a word to say when I say this, when I talk about strategy. <laughs> now, to be honest, like I'm, I'm really flexible and they know also the value of it. Eventually, you know, you get a look at the numbers. I think like numbers talk, we're going to end up the year uh, at like eight or $9 million in uh, EBITDA. So the board is happy and that's it, you know, like I think, yeah, I don't like to do too much of talking. I'd rather like uh, show the numbers and that's what the board and investors usually like. Okay, so my next question is obviously going to be like in aggregate, the numbers are going up very nicely. But then one argument could be made that maybe that's just like you guys are killing it with product development. Like, why do you think that, and it probably is, but why do you think that all this investment you're making into content is having an impact on the numbers? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think, to be honest, it's a mix of everything. I don't believe in like product-led growth. I think product-led growth, for example, doesn't exist. I think product-led growth is just really good marketing, really good product, a really good customer service, and a really good sales team or onboarding team. Like if you have like all those like four things together, this is when you reach the product that we've seen reaching like hundreds of millions in revenue uh, that people call like product-led growth. Usually it's a mix of a lot of things. And for me right now, if I just look at current results, the only thing I can tell you is that 95% of our traffic comes from people typing lists. So it's like branded search. We really suck at SEO, like we started recently, but there are tons of things that we haven't done. We don't do paid. I mean, again, we started, I think, like this month. So a lot of marketing channels that we haven't used at all. And for me, like if people know about our brand, it's because we're doing like good things with content. And I think like content is really cool. But at first, from zero to one million, for example, when we did not have a brand, I was basically doing sales prospecting on my own. And I closed the first million of dollars like by just outreaching to people. And I would use my campaigns to create content. That content would be shared amongst the community. So more people would share content and give like advice or feedback on the product. I would improve my product thanks to the feedback. With the product improvement, I would reuse it into campaigns that I would document and so on. So you see, it's like, for me, it's always like a growth loop. And that's why I think documenting everything you do is the best marketing. The best marketing is education for me. And I believe that everyone or like most people should do it. Because when you launch a business, you are like an expert in a certain topic. And I think like a lot of CEOs, they don't want to show their expertise. They are happy to share it like in-house. But I think it's just a shame because you have a unique take on a specific business. You should share it to just build more trust with large amount of people and you will see that your business will benefit from it. I wasn't aware of that growth loop that you built for the first $1 million of lemless revenue, but that is absolutely incredible, isn't it? Because you're like using the product to grow, creating content about that, getting feedback, improving the product, talking about that, making more campaigns. Like it's just really, really, yeah. really smart. 
Yeah, to be honest, we did not have the choice back then because <laughs> uh, we started with like a thousand bucks. My girlfriend was paying the rent. So I was like, okay, I can't spend any more money on anything else. I must use the product and sales prospecting. <laughs> Makes total sense. I love the concept of growth loops and I've been reading some blog posts earlier. So I think you have more. And I'd love to dig into just three areas now to get more specific. So there's like the social part and maybe we focus on LinkedIn because that is your strongest. And then there's the podcast part, which is both hosting. And I don't know if you have a show, but I think you do host some stuff and then also guesting and then also, and then newsletters. And so if we could just dig in, it can either be like a tactic with working well right now or like a growth loop that you can think of for each of those three areas. I think that'd be awesome for the audience. Yeah, definitely. I think like for LinkedIn, something that's, that has been working extremely well for us, you know, it's like the comment and get type of strategies where essentially you have people commenting your post so they get something in return. So usually it's something that a new feature that we're going to launch, but we're not going to frame it as a new feature. We're going to frame it as a playbook. So the playbook is going to be like shared among the team on LinkedIn. Then we're going to be able to either like scrape everyone so we can retarget them, or we're going to basically essentially like have them or give them a link so they can download like a white paper and we would get their email through that. And then based on that, we build like testimonials from people that we allow access to like specific features. And from this testimonial, we repurpose it to create more content. And we use it again to promote like uh, the feature, but this time with like actual testimonials and actual results. So that's something that's again, pretty nice loop to do it. And you can improve your features by doing so because once you involve people in early launches, so that's what we do actually. Every single, like we have private channels on Slack where we invite, you know, our own users. And we have like this VIP kind of, we call them like the VIP influencers and they are basically like helping us build the product. And based on that, we can create and recreate a lot of like testimonials and specific use case based on what we develop. Makes total sense. Let me just read that out so I know we've got it clear. So we basically, instead of the feature, we actually turn it into a playbook and then we'll have everybody in the team post about that on LinkedIn and people can get access to that if they comment. And then all those people will either give them access to the thing or we'll work with them to use this in the product, use that to get testimonials. So when we like launch a product properly, we have all this content about how the, sorry, the feature is working. Is it, is that about right? Yeah, exactly. And that allows you to test also like the market on different types of features, because in some cases, like a best case scenario is the launch, everything is fine and you get like a lot more users. But often it's like we launch a playbook on a specific topic because we're convinced it's pain point that needs to be solved. But actually, we realize that the traction is super low and that people don't really give feedback on the feature and don't really use that much. So in that case, the loop stops because we're not going to create testimonial nor anything else. And we just cut the development and we don't have to ship something that would not benefit all our users. And at the same time, because your team have been through the personal branding course you created, they're going to have the audience waiting to hear about yeah. these features, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So initially, actually, the personal brand course that we launched, initially, it was something in-house that I called Lemtastic. The way I framed it is I was coaching everyone in the team. So some of the people in our team have audiences of close to 100,000 of people. And I've done that with maybe like 25 of our team members. And essentially, it was like a 100-day process. Every day they had to post on LinkedIn and I gave them a lot of the first part is finding their positioning and what they want to accomplish. Then it was a coaching with me for like a half an hour to an hour. And then after that, I would help them with their first post, give them a lot of frameworks because I think the best post, to be honest, can follow like some patterns and then you can reuse them so you can produce content at like a, a higher speed. 
And then after that, I was uh, coaching them, I think, at like 30 days and uh, 60 days just to see how they were progressing. And once people have done it for 100 days in a row, I can assure you that they're going to continue. So it was really, really helpful. And I think it's an easy way for people in our team. It was something they all loved because they invested in themselves. I told them, you know, like uh, after Empire, if you eventually decide to launch your company or even do something else, you're going to have an audience. Everything's going to be easier. Everything is easier with an audience. If people know you, it's everything gets just a lot easier. And that was really progressive because how many years ago was that? Like four years ago when you started doing this? Yeah, four years. Yeah, no one was doing this. <laughs> and even now, so many businesses have reservations about having their internal team build their own profiles because they think it's just us helping them build their audience so they can get a better job. Yeah. But that's like totally against what you guys think, which I think is super cool. And now I'm thinking that I need to go back and start a program for my team. So that's a great idea. Okay, can we move now on to podcasts? So either guesting or your own, anything that's working well right now? Yeah, I think for podcasts, something that people don't think of is usually, you know, like they, they create a podcast and that's it. Like it's a game over, like they invited a guest and then they hope for the guest to share it so they can grow their audience, etc. But actually, there are a lot of lot more things that you can do. So let me give you an example. Let's say I'm going to record a podcast with Justin Walsh, uh, who's like very well known on LinkedIn. The podcast, instead of doing a podcast, for example, you could do a live on YouTube. That way you record it. And at the same time, there are people. So there are like relevant questions. You also like bound with your audience, which is great. Then, you know, after that, you want your guests to look good. So you can basically share the entire podcast and the video to an editor who's going to cut, you know, like banger of 20 seconds. And from that, you're going to be able to give them some pieces of content that looks good and that they can share on their like own social network. So for example, let's say I've done this with uh, Justin Welsh. Then he has a short video of him that is extremely specific about a topic where he's really nailing it. We extract that, we give it to him. He's going to share it with potentially the link of the episode if people want to know more about it. And eventually from that, you can go on his profile Look at everyone who's essentially like commented or liked the specific post. And from that, reach out to these people and do like a lot more targeted and I would say with a much higher reply rate called outbound. And another thing that you could do if the person is not sharing like the video clip for some reason, because some might not like it or it's just not the way they, they produce content, what you can do is just go back, find their followers scrape their entire like follower base and from that you reach out to them and within your audience you can write hey by the way i was with justin welsh last week talking about xyz maybe that's of interest to you if not no worries but i would love to talk about topic x and y and d it's an easy way you know to open a conversation if i'm a fan of uh, i don't know, like lebron james and you reach out to me and you say hey i was with lebron last week talking about xyz i'm like what the fuck is that guy? You know, like, I want to know. <laughs> and it builds a lot of trust, which is usually what's missing in Outbound. I mean, first, I absolutely love it when we can combine like different strategies. And this is something I've never heard before about focusing or getting outbound lists from podcasts or from interviews. And of course, I would expect that from the outbound master. <laughs> so that was really nice. Let's move on to newsletter. Newsletter. Yeah. So... We have actually like several newsletters. For me right now, like my newsletter is more, it's called profit-led growth because I've always built like profitable businesses when it was 
not trendy in the startup world. <laughs> so now it's getting trendy because it's harder to raise funds. But back in uh, 2018 to 2021, it was <laughs> just another world. And for me, like the newsletter at the moment is to really like build a lot more trust, but in-depth trust because it's longer articles that are on specific topics, frameworks, etc. And long-term, my goal is going to be to launch like a business masterclass. So I really want to be able to uh, provide, you know, like value because I've got really like thousands of messages of people every single quarter asking me either about their idea is great or how to find customers or how to hire the first person, et cetera, et cetera. And I really want to have a whole masterclass I could recommend and push people to. And I think newsletters are just a great way for it because when people sign up, you can put them in a specific sequence where you always have the link to your masterclass. I think Justin Welsh is like the perfect example of someone who did it as a business. He has like a really good funnel where he's posting like uh, relevant content, then people engage with it. And eventually like in his newsletter, he pushes it to like the courses and masterclasses and he's making money out of it. Yeah, that makes total sense. So it's like a way of building this big course, but you're doing it with each edition. Exactly, yeah. And that course, I assume you're not going to charge for that course. That's going to be like your legacy piece. Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of people are telling me to charge. I don't want to do it. I've done it in the past where I ran masterclasses and I made 100K in an hour during a webinar. But then in the end, you know, it's my business is software. So I don't want to charge like for knowledge. But the only reason I would do it is if I see that people don't really go through everything. Because I feel like sometimes when something is free, it looks like it doesn't have a lot of value. And I'm just wondering, because, yeah, it's a big question mark. I mean, the way, obviously, the way it can be monetized is that you just can link out to all the products in the yeah. where relevant <laughs> in the course. Of course, like, yeah. you're obviously going to do that. And it seems like that could be enough. But anyway, I'm not here to give you advice. No, I'd love to know what you're thinking. Like for you, you would go like, what's your feeling about having something free like this? Do you think that people would actually like take it super seriously and in depth, if even if it's free? Yeah, the downside is there'll probably be a lower completion rate. But the upside is that I think it'll be more remarkable. Maybe you'll get more people sign up and you may even make more affiliate. Let's call it affiliate revenue, right? For yourself. I think you might end up making more affiliate revenue for if it was free. But I don't know if that really is the goal. Maybe the goal is more to help people or both. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think to be honest, like uh, the goal is to help like as many people. Because, you know, whenever I receive like similar messages, for me, it shows that there is a real problem to solve. I love to solve problems. So same, you know, like, how do you find a great idea? Like, it's a big topic. People don't think about product founder fit, for example, or like market founder fit. Like, there are a lot of things that people don't think of. And eventually, they waste three, four or five years of their life because they've been working on the wrong stuff. And they could have just asked themselves the right question at the beginning. So there are a lot of things that I think could be done. And I've never really, I don't see today one business resource that is recommended by everyone. I don't have this one resource where you feel like, okay, if I want to grow a business, I know I go there. There are lots of great stuff, but I've never seen one thing that is really actionable that you can duplicate templates that you just have to copy paste things and have checklists like all in one, you know? So that's kind of like what I want to create. <laughs> I look forward to consuming it. So we're obviously going to link to all the different businesses below your social channels. Anything else should, we should link to? The newsletter, of course. Yeah, like if people want to message me, it's guillaume at lempire.com. 
So Guillaume, it's like a French name. So probably just type CEO at Lempire and you copy paste my name <laughs> from any of my social profile. <laughs> that makes total sense. Well, I just want to say thank you for even though as the business grows, still like committing this big chunk of time or 25 now, 60, 70% later to like sharing the wisdom because it's actually quite rare that you get someone who's operational in these size businesses come and actually share stuff. So A, thanks for that. B, thanks for being so generous with that wisdom in this episode. Thanks a lot for having me, Tom. Always a pleasure. All right, team, hope you loved that as much as I did. I am super excited about the strategy where we bring someone, a guest onto a podcast, obviously give them the assets to promote. If they promote the people that engage, we can then potentially follow up, build the relationship, maybe pitch them. But then also we can then approach the followers of that person with the content that you created with them. Super powerful. Absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Guillaume, for coming on. Thank you so much to Fame for producing this show. And thank you so much for listening.